The tally is in for the amount of money the average Canadian family spent this year on groceries. And according to the researchers behind the report, that amount is only going to grow next year. The Vancouver School Board has voted to bring police officers back into schools right as the Toronto District School Board debates the same, all at a time of rising violence in Canadian high schools. Speaking of law and order, the Toronto Police announced they have seized dozens of firearms and laid over 250 firearms-related charges in one single operation. Firearms that are already illegal, yet still made their way into Canada. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, December 6th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And this is Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The average family of four dished out $15,200 on groceries this year, and the cost is expected to rise further by 2023. A new food price index has found. It's called Canada's Food Price Report, and it's produced by Dalhousie University researchers in association with colleagues in Saskatchewan and BC. And they revealed that on average, the price of food spiked by 7% in all categories. Lead researcher Sylvain Charlebois, he's director of Dalhousie's Agri-Food Analytics Lab, he said to say that it's been a challenging year for Canadians at the grocery store would be an understatement. Now, by next year, the same family is expected to spend an estimated $16,200 or $1,000 more on those basic food necessities. The highest expected increase will be experienced by vegetables, which are predicted to go up by 6 to 8% next year, Meat, dairy, and baked goods are expected to spike by up to 7%. Andrew, when I read these stories, part of me goes, yeah, no kidding. I'm seeing it every day on the shelves. Another part of me goes, I'm also hearing these stories every month, every quarter. It just seems like the costs on all fronts keep going up for regular folks. Absolutely. And it's been relentless for a time being. And obviously, there are going to be some families that have the ability to withstand this, the families that when they go to the grocery store, don't really look at the prices. But for most people, this has to mean some very difficult questions. Is it just about changing what they buy? Or is it about changing how much they buy? And I think that these sorts of stories, especially this time of year, get very, very important. Absolutely. And we talk about an extra $1,000 on the grocery bill. To your point, some people are able to absorb that, or some people are in a line of work where they're going to get a raise that's far beyond $1,000. Other folks who are just getting by now, they're not expecting to have a raise next year. They're also seeing a similar increase in costs for their rent or for their mortgage payments, for their utility bills. I mean, that extra $1,000, that means the difference between uh, paying for something with what you have in your checking account and going into further credit for it. And for people who are already using the credit card bill to pay these things, I mean, wow, I, I hate to think what that means, Andrew. Yeah, if you make $52,000 a year, just to use easy numbers here, $1,000 a year is one week's salary. W would you just surrender one week's salary for nothing extra, for the exact same stuff you bought this year? And when you view it in those terms, it's terrible. And of course, there are a lot of Canadians making less than $50,000 a year where it's even more of their salary that is at stake. And I know here at True North, we have released a lot of stories on food banks reporting their numbers. You can put it all into an aggregate and just talk about general food bank usage. But I still think hearing the stories on the ground, I think the most recent one was the Mississauga Food Bank, individual food banks all talking about their rises. And some of them are going up 100%, practically doubling, other smaller amounts. But regardless, Andrew, the food bank statistics are all the same. They're going up.
The Vancouver School Board narrowly voted to reintroduce police liaison officers into local schools after scrapping the program last year due to pressure from progressive activists. Last week, the Vancouver Board, which includes some newly elected trustees, voted to bring back a, quote, revised and reimagined, unquote, school liaison officer program. Now, this is going to be effective and operational no later than September of next year. The rationale behind Behind the decision was citing a worrying increase in what they called, quote, troubling and violent, unquote, incidents targeting school-age kids soon after the liaison officer program was scrapped last September. The trustee, Preeti Faradkot, said subsequent to the discontinuation of the SLO program in June 2021, The city has seen a marked increase in incidents involving Vancouver youth, leading Vancouver police to raise the alarm this past spring in response to violent and troubling swarmings, robberies, and attacks. So very serious things here. Vancouver police also have found young people with imitation guns at schools, bear spray, brass knuckles, and machetes, not just in schools, but also in the community. This was actually an election issue in BC, bringing back the program. It was a key promise by the municipal party ABC Vancouver, which was a campaign that led to the election of now mayor Ken Sim. Do you think Toronto is going to go the same direction? Well, that remains to be seen, Andrew, because they did have their meeting on Monday evening and they had to adjourn for the evening. They're going to reconvene Tuesday night because they had so many public deputations that they went until 10.30 p.m. and and they just had to stop. It was too late. One thing that was very interesting, though, parents who were interested in community safety, they complained that there was no mass email sent out to parents saying, you can participate in this event. This conversation is happening. And I got to tell you, as a parent, Uh, of kids in the TDSB, they send out emails when they want to. Why didn't they send out these emails? And yet, despite the lack of communication, the ideological activists who wanted to give uh, public speeches, and they were not parents, some of them did not have kids in the school system, who wanted to give speeches about how policing is rooted in colonialism and all that sort of tired old stuff we've been hearing about for years now, they somehow got the memo and they were speaking there. So that's kind of the battle that's going on. There were some trustees who, as you referenced in Vancouver, were elected in Toronto almost explicitly on a safety platform. So these issues are rising to the fore. The school liaison officer programs have always been presented as a way to actually counter some of the challenges people have and negative experience people have with police by putting them in a friendly community setting where they're there to be accessible. And I'm wondering when that stopped being the case or when the ideologues started to win this debate. Yeah, good question, because back in 2017, there was a nine hour hearing of the Toronto School Board. and It was extremely emotional. And there were a lot of parents, a lot of students who said we need to keep these police officers in the schools, police officers who are not just standing there, you know, some stereotype of holding a loaded rifle and you know staring down the kids. I mean, they were acting as after school sports coaches. They were acting as mentors. They were acting as buddies. So you really have to wonder what was going on there. And I think it really was an academic fringe that managed to push this narrative. And, you know, Andrew, the fact that we began this talking about Vancouver, we're now talking about it in Toronto. We know there are concerns with other school boards that we've written about. I I think parents listening know that this is not a particular story about one school in Toronto or one school in Vancouver. This is a national conversation right now. And more and more parents are getting in the game. 
Speaking of policing issues, the Toronto Police Service announced on Monday that it had arrested six people believed to be involved in an illegal firearms trafficking ring. According to the Organized Crime Enforcement Unit, the arrests came after an eight-month operation codenamed Project Barbell. A total of 62 firearms were seized as a result of the bust in May of this year. Six individuals ranging from 27 to 62 years of age were arrested and faced nearly 260 criminal charges. Toronto Chief James Raymer said gun violence continues to be the most significant public safety concern for the people of Toronto. Every one of these guns was destined for our streets, our communities. Now, all of the guns seized by the Toronto Police Force are already illegal to own in Canada. And Toronto has seen a major uptick in gun-related crime and violent shootings in recent years. This year so far, there have been 364 shooting incidents in the city, leading to 41 deaths and 146 injuries. Shootings in major metropolitan areas have continued to accelerate despite federal gun control measures, including controversial Bill C-21. A recent amendment to the law seeks to ban a wide range of firearms used by hunters and sports shooters. Various policing experts have doubted the effectiveness of such regulations, including Toronto Police Deputy Chief Myron Demke, who earlier this year told the House of Commons that bans on firearms like handguns is, quote, not going to deal with the crime problem the city faces. And Andrew, one interesting thing we've also heard from police chiefs is I guess they're getting a little tired of some of these new firearms legislation because it will add to their workload where they have to go and, I guess, do various paperwork and filings and check in on people regarding otherwise legal firearms. And they're saying that's even taken away from our resources dealing with these illegal gun crimes. Yes, it turns police officers into administrators, which is not exactly a role they're suited for, nor one they want to take on when all of a sudden they have to enforce these gun confiscations, these gun bans, these uh, very spurious buyback programs. And, and all for firearms which are not the cause of crime as you've noted in this particular bust and countless others when police go and seize these firearms they're overwhelmingly dealing with guns that were obtained illegally oftentimes smuggled from the United States and this has nothing to do with the firearm regime that is in place for people that have a willingness to go through the licensing and registration process. Now, Andrew, I know the Prime Minister and other advocates of uh, tighter gun control measures say, look, as long as these bills take one gun off the streets, it's worth it. Do you see there being any value right now to Bill C-21, even from that perspective? One of the problems is that they'll bury good things into bad bills. Uh, C-21 does have some stuff, for example, on uh, penalties and uh, enforcement, which are very good, but they shouldn't be lumped in with measures that are there to confiscate guns and to criminalize guns that are only owned by people who are abiding by the law. Now, Justin Trudeau has come out and said they will review Bill C-21 uh, to guarantee that they're not unfairly harming uh, sport shooters and hunters in rural neighborhoods who are only using guns and long guns for those reasons. Uh, do you buy what's going on now? Do you think there's going to be a transparent and sort of appropriate uh, review? I think that the liberals are seeing right now that they pushed a little bit too far and, and that people are seeing on this list firearms that are undeniably used for hunting by hunters, including some indigenous people and people that live in the rural and northern parts of Canada. So I think that the liberals now realize that it isn't just the usual gun control opponents that are pushing back against them. It's actually a bit more of a broad coalition. So again, I, I still think that what's left is not going 
to be a great bill, but it won't be as bad as what's been proposed in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it tells you something when NDP MP Charlie Angus is saying, we got some problems with this bill, and he's calling to walk a bit of it back. Yeah, very much so. And I think, again, the NDP, for all of its uh, rhetoric against guns at some points, they are a party that represents a lot of people in the North where firearms are not just a hobby, but a way of life. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.